Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, uh, I speak with Jen Rulon. Uh, Jen is the uh, owner of JenRulon.com. She has been a triathlon coach for over 18 years. Um, She is also an author, uh, a speaker. Um, You can find her uh, in the New York Times, Men's Journal Online, uh, Runner's World, Triathlete Magazine. Uh, She has a TEDx uh, talk. So um, she brings a tremendous amount of experience uh, in the space of endurance sports, uh, both as an athlete and and a longtime coach. She is also the author of her newest book, which is called Self-Motivation Strategies for Women, which is um, a tremendous read. No matter what gender you are, I highly recommend uh, that you pick up the book. There are takeaways um, uh, in there for uh, any stage that you're in in your life, no matter what you're trying to accomplish. Jen brings her experience both as a coach, uh, but also as a, as a mindset leader, uh, as a positive and a joyful personality, someone that brings passion uh, to, to every interaction that she has. Uh, she brings all that to the book, and um, there is uh, a ton of insight in there. And so we use some of the, uh, the uh, things that she covers in her book to guide our conversation uh, everything from uh, leaning into our failures to drive success, um, how we can remain committed to our long-term goals in the face of adversity. Uh, Jen touches on her 28-year journey to Ironman World Championships and, and how she remained committed uh, and, uh, and the highs and lows that come with a, with a long-term goal such as that. Um, we talk about uh, the value of finding your why uh, outside of, of fitness um, and the value of, of a support network um, and how tapping into that is really critical uh, in helping you reach your full potential and that we can't accomplish anything alone. Um, and when things get dark, when we have trying times, when we lose that motivation, uh, it's okay to ask for help and, uh, and build that support network around us. So there are valuable insights from start to finish. Uh, I hope that you'll listen to the full episode um, because um, the whole way through, Jen um, provides uh, such great commentary on uh, not just endurance sports, but really the trials and tribulations that, uh, that we all go through in life and, and what those highs and lows look and feel like and how we can develop the tools and the skills and, and um, and bolster our resources to be able to weather those storms uh, and come out better for it. So um, uh, can't express how excited I was to talk to Jen, and, and this is one that's, uh, that's not to be missed. As always, thomasendurancecoaching.com for everything that we talk about on this podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at thomas underscore endurance underscore coaching. Um, we've got lots of great uh, resources on there. And then we're going to put all of, uh, of Jen's uh, contact information, how you can get her new book 
um, how you can uh, be a part of her new mindset coaching, uh, Monarch Mindset. We're going to put all that in the show notes so that uh, you guys can get a hold of Jen. Um, she is uh, someone that you should keep track of and, uh, and use as a resource no matter what you're trying to accomplish. So thanks as always for listening. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jen Rulon. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're making yeah. me get all dressed up, dressed up with my Metallica <laughs> shirt on. Well, you I'm, know? Pretty, stu- I'm like, pretty stoked on your Metallica shirt. So if that's if that's dressed up, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a I've been on a rock band T-shirt kick lately. So, yeah, um, I well, found I found Pink Floyd the other day. So I'm like, yeah. oh, check. Yeah, that's a that's a kick. That's a kick. I feel like you should just stay on. I mean, there's no that's never going to go out of style. You're always going to look right. cool, you know, as long as you right. pick the right bands. You know, I mean, you can't be, you know, you got to you got to stay in the right lane. But I feel like that's a pretty safe, safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my so, 13 year old um, niece grabbed uh, my 13 year old niece grabbed an ACDC shirt the other day. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> nice. Love it. I love Anyways, it. I love it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'm so excited to have you. We got lots to talk about, and I know uh, I know we have lots in common. And uh, you've had such a uh, a great uh, career, and and continue to be so impactful in uh, as a coach and a writer and author and speaker. And uh, I'm excited to uh, to scratch the surface uh, as much as we can there. But let's uh, let's start with uh, with your with your new book. Uh, you just uh, released a book. Uh, a month or so ago, self-motivation strategies for women. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, tell us a little bit about the book, kind of what, uh, what, what brought you to, to, uh, to, to write it. And, and then I'm excited to, uh, I want to, I want to dive in a little bit cause you, you touch on some really great stuff in the book that I think is, uh, is really impactful for, uh, for women, but I think for anybody looking to kind of carve out Agreed. their space and, um, and so, so yeah, so take it from there and, uh, tell us, tell us how it came about. Well, first, I mean, first I'm going to show you, right. Self-motivation strategies for women you could buy on Amazon, or if you want me to sign seal and have the UPS or United States postal service to deliver it, I can do that as well. And I'm sure I'll give you some links, but, um, it was interesting. So the publisher reached out to me in, uh, August of 2019, and they actually wanted me to write a triathlon based book. And what I had coming up going into 2019, I had, we were heading to Paris. We were going, I was going to Boulder to speak at the Training Peaks Endurance Coaching Summit. Uh, I didn't know I was going to Hawaii with I-Corps Labs at that time, but I went to Hawaii and then Ironman Florida, which was my last Ironman. We'll talk about that. And I looked at the timing that they wanted me to write this book. I was like, there's no way in heck that I'll get that book written in this time. So long story short, they reached back out to me in April of 2020. And they were like, hey, what do you have going on? I'm like, I got time. And I literally just launched a woman's, I launched my women's empowerment program, Monarch Mindset, uh, March of 2020. Great timing on my part, um, Rulon. But um, but the ironic thing of it all is that I had all these women already in the program, and then you know uh, lockdown hit. So um, 
so when they reached out to me and said, well, what are you working on? I'm like, I'm working, you know, with women and, and empowerment. But what I've realized with my book is that even though the publisher put the outline together, all of the tactics that I have used in that I wrote in this book is how I am and who I am today, whether it's me accomplishing my 28 year old 28 year old goal to get to Ironman World Championship, whether it's 15 time Ironmans, whether it was my first job that which was my dream job, like these tactics are how I got here who I am today and how and who I am becoming, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I um, had a chance to read some, uh, some excerpts from the book and I, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously geared towards women, but I was reading it and I was like, well, this is, you know, I mean, I was connecting with it. I know, you know, and I was thinking about, yeah. you know, people that I work with and athletes and, you know, just experiences I've had over the years with all kinds, you know, my career and jobs and, interactions with other people. And I was like, well, you know, this, this is, this is, um, stuff that everybody can, you know, sink their teeth into. Um, I, I, I noticed, uh, in some of the reading I was doing in the book and I've noticed this, uh, I saw, um, uh, this reiterated a couple of times in some of your, uh, like social media posts is this, um, like the idea of, of, of doing the work, right. And that they're, you know, you're going to fail, and you're going to fall and it's going to suck. Um, and I wanted to just ask kind of what that, you know, I think that sentiment and you probably would agree. I mean, you know, that's, it can be kind of popularized, you know, this idea of like, put your head down, you know, but it's not always qualified or it doesn't come with, um, doesn't come with any sort of like roadmap, right? You're like, okay, great then now what, right? If you're looking for guidance, like, mm-hmm. do, how do I do the work? So yeah, like, what does that, what does that mean for you? And, and then how do you think that that's, you know, most applicable to people trying to figure out what that means for them? Hmm. I think, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, I've always been that go-getter, that dream chaser, um, that I heard this the other day, um, glow-getter. So she's, you know, a person who's glowing during their time because they're finding their passion, they're finding their purpose, and they're chasing their dreams, and they're chasing their ideas. And I've always, always been that way as a, as a kid. I did vision boards um, before vision boards were cool. Like I had them in... <laughs> my, um, in my little house in Whitewater, Wisconsin, you know? Um, so I think, oh my God. And I, I, you know, the amount of times that I failed, I think about like my D that I got in chemistry 101 in college. Like, I'm like, how am I supposed to, you know, become who I want to become when I'm, when I'm failing, but it made me work even harder because I failed. And, and even, you know, people are like, oh, it's not really a failure. It's a learning. No, I freaking failed. I got a D, you know, <laughs> like I didn't get an F, but I got a D, you know, like it's failing, like stop sugarcoating this crap and be like, no, you failed a course. How can you get better in chemistry 102? You know, I'm surprised they even let me go to chemistry 102, but they did, you know, and I got a B in chemistry 102 because 
I figured out like I didn't want to feel like that in Chem 101. So that was college years. But, um, you know, like even even growing up, like I was never a runner. I was, um, you know, I talk about that in my TED talk. And um, so I think it's just learning really what drives you to be better. And, and, um, yeah. Yeah. I love does that. Help? I, it does. And you, you touched on something else that I, that I love and I'm such a big advocate of is using like leaning into the right language to define, to mm-hmm. find anything. Right. And I, failure is, is, a great example of that and one that I've talked about before is like we find all these different ways to talk about failure without just calling it what it is, right? We're scared to, yeah. Yeah. to say like, oh, yeah. I, I failed, right? That did not go like maybe even if you worked for it and, and you did all the right things, you could still fail, right? I mean, specific to endurance sports, like you could crush your training and do all the yes. and show up to race day. And it does not go as planned, you know, and, and you, you things go I off the rails. I have many examples like that. Yeah, yeah. I think we all do. And, and, yeah. and, but then we're afraid we to, to call it failure. And I think it's, you know, I've made the argument like, let's, let's call it failure and then be willing to lean into that and learn from it. Right. Like I, if you yeah. really embrace that language, you can say great, like failure is not bad if I, if I'm willing to accept it and, and learn from it. And, yeah, what's what? So outside of the uh, the chemistry class, like where where specific, I'd love to hear a story about like in the endurance sports space because I know, like you said, we all oh, have yeah. them. Like when did that not when did that not work out? Like when do you feel like you failed, and then how did you use that as a springboard to to try to not sure. fail again? I mean, or to, or to to meet the you know success that you wanted. Yeah. Um... I mean, the biggest thing that sticks out to me was 2000. Oh God, there's a couple of races, right? But, um, it was 2014 Ironman, Florida, about what, 15 minutes before they canceled the swim because the riptides were super bad. So, um, my timing was really spot on because when I took off was probably around the time that I would have gotten out of the swim, but it was windy. It was cold. It was miserable. And so I wasn't taking, and I wasn't consuming my calories at all. I was getting rid of things on the run, both ends, if that makes any sense. (laughs) So I get to, I get to, so if you've ever done Ironman Florida, the old course, um, it's two laps. I think the new courses, the new courses might be three laps, but it was two laps. And, um, I get to this, I get to the special needs and I see my mom, I see my mother-in-law and I saw my husband. I think, um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he DNF'd. Oh, I don't know. He, no, he was out in the course. Never mind. Never mind. He was still out in the course. And I saw my mom and I'm like, this sucks. Like I'm done. You want to go get a drink? Cause I'm so done with this race. Like <laughs> this is stupid. And, um, my mom's like, well, what if you go to mile? She's like, what mile are you at now? I'm like, I'm at 13. She goes, well, what if you go to mile 14? I'm like, well, then I'm going to have to go to mile 15. And then she's like, and then you're going to have to go to mile 16. And I'm like, dang it, mom. Okay. Bye. You know, and I take off. 
So it, it was that race in particular really taught me that the mind can tell you to stop, but you have to find out what's in that heart. And that heart to me was to finish the race, no matter how crappy, no pun intended, it was. <laughs> because like I said, I was getting, I mean, and you know, if y'all are Ironman triathletes, you get where I'm coming from. You should never trust a fart in an Ironman, right? <laughs> so I think it was, I think it was my mind that I was like, I need to shut the mind off and I have to figure out what's in this heart because I knew that this failure of wanting to stop was going to teach me how to get to Kona three years later. Yeah. What's the, such a, I feel like there's always, I mean, there's always this balance between with any, with any certainly like longer distance, but maybe like any endurance activity, you know, to some extent, there's always this balance between like the mind and the body, right? Like at any given time, your body's horrible. You like, you feel, and so then your mind picks up the slack and then your mind, like what you're describing, like you get bogged down mentally and then you need your body to pick up the slack. Like, how do you, I, I mean, it's such a, like that's really the essence of the sport, right? Is is that there's at the end of the like you figure out how to navigate those two conflicting things, and they're like constantly back and forth to get to the finish line. But like, when do you, when do you, when do you listen to your mind more, and when do you listen to your body more? You know, because I, mm. especially newer athletes, I think you assume that the training is going to take you all the way, and of course we know that you get in your head and, and it's, and you could be super fit and you're really just racing up top, right? You're racing your mind, but even that starts to let you down sometimes. Um, I don't know, like what's your, how do you, how do you jockey those things? And you know, when it just, when it feels shitty and it's not going well. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. I, you know, I think it just depends on the situation, right? I mean, and you could look at it at, at any type of race, whether you're doing a 5K or uh, an Ironman or a marathon, or whether you're starting your own business, or whether you're, you know, I, I don't know, I can't think of another example, but um, I think you have to figure out like, um, like 5Ks, you know, like, okay, I can endure this uncomfortable feeling if you're going to go, if you're trying hard. Tr- trying your best if you're trying your best i think the body's i don't man that's a hard question because i think it just depends on the situation right right um you know i think for i remember ironman texas 2016 was when they cut the course they stopped us on the race because of all the hail and i remember going into my third lap at ironman texas and i looked up to the, to the, to the universe, to the big man, I go, um, I, you know, I really need some help here because it's really bloody hot in Texas. And, um, that would be great. Thanks. And literally five minutes later was when we got this crazy hailstorm, and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to be careful of what I asked <laughs> you, you for. You should have been more specific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should have been more specific because he sure yeah. did cool it off, you know? Um, so I think I, you know, at that time, my body was really shutting down because it was like, just, it was 
oh, it was starting to like, nothing was tasting good. Like I could feel it. Right. So then I knew that I was like, my body was shutting down on that last lap. Um, but then there's times where I'm, you know, Ironman Montre Blanc, where I qualified, I was like, let's do this on the run. Like I, like I knew I had to push on that run and I knew that I had the talent to push on the run. That's the biggest lesson there is that I knew where I was in my fitness and I knew that I could rock that run at, at Tremblant. Right. Um, so let's, so you, so you had, so there's a big buildup to Ironman world championships, right? So correct me if I'm wrong. You I think you says 28 year dream of getting to, to Kona. Um, that that's a massive commitment. Um, it's certainly one yeah. worth cel- it's certainly one worth celebrating, but but also, I mean, you know, I'm interested in like how do you stay um how do you stay committed for that long? You know, there's like m- highs, surely uh lots of lows, which we, we you know just touched on some. What what keeps the fire alive? Like how did you how did you navigate that season after season, and and, and you obviously reached your goal uh, at, at of the you know yeah. Kona, but that's um I would I would venture to say a lot of athletes and many of of you know whom are who are listening um, are would struggle to stick with it that long. You know that I think a lot of athletes yeah. can be kind of boom and bust, and if you're not riding that high, it becomes very hard to maintain your passion for the sport yeah. and the commitment and the training and the every, all the, you know, the sacrifice that it takes, no matter what your discipline is. Um, yeah. How'd you, how'd you do it? <laughs> yeah. So I, I will be totally transparent. I did do four Ironmans. I took an eight year sabbatical. And then when I was sitting at Ironman Hawaii watching my husband who qualified and that gun goes off. It was almost like a slap in the face saying, Jen, this has been your goal since you were 17 years old, not to watch it, but to, to, to participate in it. And, um, and the biggest thing, thing that I remember going back to my childhood. I remember um, watching the Ironman World Championship 2000, or I'm sorry, 1989, Mark Allen, Dave Scott, the Iron War Showdown, right? And I saw those guys, like I saw Mark cross the finish line that day, but then I saw Paula Newby Frazier cross that day. I was 17 years old and I thought, well, she can do it. I can do it. I mean, that's immediately what I said. So I told my mom, And I told my mom's dad, my grandpa, and I told him and he goes, okay, when you go, I'll go with you. I've been to Hawaii in the war. And so immediately that moment was like, I got to go to Hawaii because grandpa's going to go with me, you know? And so he was a big part of my why of why I wanted to get to Hawaii. But 
Um, but I also feel that even though I qualified to get to Hawaii, um, he's still around supporting me. So, yeah, I, um, that why is great. I love, I love that. It's not, you know, I think so often we, we look for our why, like, um, it's just, it's just fitness related, right? Like people, you know, so many people, you know, athletes and we're like, Oh, I want to, you know, why? Well, I just want to, I want to be fit. That's fine. I mean, you know, being, being super fit is great, but I love that. Like it's more nuanced than that, right? Like obviously you had to have the fitness and all, you know, the training to, to get there, but like the fuel was really this relationship component, which is, um, which is awesome. And I, I always try to, you know, always try to get that out of the athletes that I work with. I'm like, no fitness, like that almost goes right. without saying, like we got that part. What's your, like, what gets you out of bed in the morning, you know, at four o'clock for your, you know, swim class yeah. or for your, you know, to jump on the trainer, you know, all the like sure. real commitment that it takes. And it's so cool to hear you say that it was that relationship was, was like the piece. Yeah. Um, so, and that you feel and like, I, I mean, that, too, dro- like that drove is, you through, oh. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, but I think I, I, and I want to say, I want to be very transparent because my TEDx talk was also another why of why I wanted to do Ironmans. And, um, I did not have a really good relationship with my dad because I did not play basketball, baseball, football, or hockey like my brother did. And so my brother and my dad had that amazing tangible relationship that bonded them. And so I felt more of a bond with my grandfather than I did with my dad. So then in my head, I wanted to be like, well, if I do an extreme sport, maybe dad will notice me. Um, but the, the TEDx talk, um, it's like a 10 minute TEDx talk, but, um, it's, it, it's powerful because it made me realize that I, after I crossed the finish line to my first Ironman, I didn't need my dad's validation anymore. Like I found it within. And then at that point, uh, I still wanted to, you know, you know, have that really, I still wanted that connection with my grandpa, grandpa. So. Yeah. Oh man. That's so cool. Um, in uh, in one of the excerpts I read from your book, you talk about, and this I think kind of plays into to this nicely, is um, like m- being staying motivated through the through the like the light and the dark times, you know. And like we were saying, I mm-hmm. think there's so many people that struggle. I mean, it, it's a you know, it's, it's a no brainer. It goes without saying, but it's really hard to stay motivated when when it's dark, right? When when you're riding the the wave yeah. and everything's awesome and things are going as planned. I mean, motivation is pretty easy to find intrinsic and, and extrinsic. Um, when it's not going so well, you know, that's when it obviously, you know, that really separates kind of that success from failure so often. So what's your, yeah, what's like, how do you, uh, uh, how do you kind of recommend people navigate that light and dark and, and maintain that motivation as like a strand, you know, throughout? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, I think the biggest thing, what I've realized is we're all going to go through 
ebbs and flow of life, roller coaster, like our lives are going to be roller coaster. And we're all going through something right now, whether that's you're dealing with uh, a, a, you know, a sick parent or, or, um, you know, lost your job or can't knock out that, you know, six minute mile that you're hoping to do, you know, whatever that might be, we're all dealing with something. Um, And so I think to stay, to stay motivated, to stay positive, maybe not positive is a word, because I mean, I have my moments of screw everybody, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, I think, um, I I think you just sort of, you just got to get up every single day. If you're going through a really dark time, you got to get up every single day and reach out to people that will support you 100%. Do not seclude yourself. Like, reach out and be like, I'm having a really hard time right now. Like, you know, my mom, whatever, my dad or whatever, like, uh, you know, and that's something that we talk, like I talked about in the book about my miscarriages and losing my dad within uh, a, a year period. I mean, it was even less than a year. And I thought, how do I, how do I get up? You know, like, how do I, how do I, at that point, I didn't know what to do with my life. Like, I just sat there. I'm like, but I just sat there going, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, you just got to wake up. You got to open up your eyes and wake up and start walking to the coffee machine or whatever. Like, and, and I think what we tend to do is look so beyond of what we want that we really have to just focus on now. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through a dark time. Right. Yeah. What do you do? Po- Got to go get your coffee. Yeah. 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 That's so much of that. Like, um, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know, kind of far through the trees. That's a great point. Like you get so bogged down or so overwhelmed at looking at like what you feel like you should be doing or what you want to accomplish or these big, you know, outcomes and you can't, it can be hard when you're in the darkness, like to see that path to be like, and then you just shut down, right? You're like, uh, well, I'm never, I can't, you know, formulate a path to get there. And we lose sight of that process and that just kind of like daily drive. Mm And, um, yeah, I love, yeah. And I think again, I mean, that's for, you know, that's like I said, like with your book and, and, you know, some of the, you know, like the content you've put out is just not even, you know, so over and above in terms of its application to like just the athletic space. Like these are things that are, you know, no matter what you're trying to accomplish, like, like you said, if you're, you know, trying to start a business or trying to, you know, reach your full potential in triathlon or, you know, on running or, you know, whatever it is, these concepts are so like broad reaching and it's so easy to like, to, to the waters get muddy and you you can't figure out how to, how to accomplish any of your goals, right. Athletically or, or otherwise. Um, yeah, you, uh, you talked about the priority pie in uh in your book and and i think this is kind of it struck me because we're kind of talking about like a little bit of this is like that support network there's like there's a balance component right like how do we and i think specific to athleticism 
or endurance sports, so often athletes struggle to, to, to incorporate that into their lives, right? It's like, like training is in a vacuum, right? So it's like, here's my little training pod. Yeah. And then I got all these other responsibilities <laughs> and, and, and it really makes for, you know, they're conflicting, right? It, it causes burnout. It causes overtraining. It, and, and yeah. I thought when I read the priority pie and you included health and, and wellness and fitness in that pie, but I was like, that's what you really need to do is you need to like put the pie piece in the fitness piece in there. Yeah. I think so often it like floats out over here by itself and then you make your pie, you know, I don't know. So like, yeah, what's that it's exercise true. look like? Like, how do we, how do we integrate that? How do we, I think that's an awesome tool. So how do we use it to, thank you to, to be more sustainable, you know, and see that full picture? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, so what I talked about in the book is that, you know, you take your, a pie of, of what's, what are your value or what's important to you? So community, personal relationships, health and fitness, um, you know, business or your job, uh, family, personal relationships. Like you look at that priority pie and I know there's more that I'm missing, right? But you, emotional health is also big key component, uh, spiritual health, whatever that might be, whether it's you going to church or you walking outside and talking to God that way or the universe or whatever, whatever your beliefs are. But you really have to look at that pie. And, you know, I think as a whole, if you, and so in this exercise, you take the pie, you take those pieces, and those are all the pieces from the book. You look at, okay, where are you putting most of your effort? Is most of your effort in the health and wellness or in the triathlon space? Is, is that, is that, is, are you doing well there? But how is the emotional? How is your personal relationships doing? How's your job looking? You know, and this is something that my husband and I talk a lot about. We are very successful in the triathlon space and in our careers. But sometimes our personal intertwined relationships are not the best. So sometimes that piece of the pie gets really low, especially when training's high, right? That you sort of forget about that personal side, you know, or whether you're dealing with your family or your friends, you know, that tends to get really small. So um, the point of the pie is that you make the, you figure out the pie where you're at today, and then you you do it again. You make another piece of pie, you make another pie, and you you look at where do I want to be? And I think that would make a really good um good goal setting, um, to do what, whether it's, you know, whether it's your career, whether it's the triathlon space, knowing that your personal relationships or your career, maybe dive down a little bit because you are trying to get to Kona, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You almost, uh, you could make one for like every season, you know, like you're, like you said, the, if you're in, you know, if you're, big objectives at work or big objectives in your training, like that pie gets a little bigger. Well, it, that means it's got to take yep. up the space of something else. And then if you, you know, when you're not focused on those things, then that, you know, you could do another pie, right. And, and write that again. And you can help like see where that energy goes. And yeah, I just, I love that, that, you know, 
I read that and then I was like, of course, like that's the visual representation. Like that's how um, it right. should be, you know, it just made so much sense uh, to, to me just as I read your, you know, explanation of that. And, um, and again, I think specific to the training component that athletes really struggle to like incorporate that in the pie. Right. And I, and I, and it, it has to be, if you want to be a long-term athlete, which as a coach is my primary goal, you know, like I want to, and I'm sure you're in the yeah. same boat, any coach that's been doing it for, for a long time, you know, it's just give an athlete the tools to be a lifelong athlete, right. And to understand the value that, right. That athleticism brings to the rest of their life. Right. So it's not just about fitness. It's about yeah. how it sets you up to make decisions and, in, in, you know, all over, you know, in all spectrums or 100%. areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. What, um, I was thinking about, you know, your build up to all these races that you did and your commitment to, to, uh, Ironman Kona and there's, um, you know, some, I think with the first word, and this is not meant to be negative. I think, you know, a lot of athletes or maybe they're, you know, obsession, right? Like you have to, there's some amount of, uh, obsessiveness that probably has to be present look. to, especially yeah, I mean, especially for you, like, right. I mean, to stay at yeah. it for so long and it takes so, I mean, especially yeah. with an Ironman, like so much work. I mean, you have three things singularly that are very hard and then you've combined them. So just the sheer volume for preparation is, you know, is massive, but I'm right. curious, like what, because on the other hand, the reason I use, again, using, you know, the right language. So the reason I use obsession um, is because that can also like fly and that doesn't necessarily lend itself all the time to sustainability, but you've, you've been an athlete a long time. You had this big goal, you've done lots of races. Mm -hmm. So how do we blend obsession with like our goals, right? Like, so how do those things play together where you can not just like burn yourself out? You don't want to be, I see it happen all the time where like an athlete is really fired up oh, yeah. for like a season or they're obsessed but then they're so tired or so, you know, then it, and I'm like, well, it, it almost would have been better to pull back a little bit, manage that obsession so that you could realize the benefits of the sport for the next 20 years versus just two years. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, how do we, I, how do we balance? How do you balance Yeah, as an athlete and a coach? Like what's your take on, I guess, both sides? Yeah, I think it's actually the same for both sides, to be honest with you. I think when we first get into the sport as triathletes, we will do every stinking race that you can find to sign up for. And so you're never really training. You're just going race to race to race. So, and I've written about this in, I think, Triathlete Magazine years ago, we over when people start off, people over race. And so back in the days when Kona was really the only Ironman available, um, the world championship is that all of those pros got ready for one race. And that was to do their best at the Ironman world championship. So then all of a sudden, you know, Ironman started coming out more and more. And so people were knocking out like three to four Ironmans a year. And I'm like, well, how are you training to get to those Ironmans? Like you're not, you're going from 
race to race. So I think as a, as an athlete, you got to pick out two solid races and do really well to get there. As a coach, I tell my athletes the same thing. If you're going to do an Ironman, I want to see two half Ironmans before you do the full. And they're like, is that it? I'm like, yep. Maybe we put in the Olympic. Maybe we put in the sprint. Maybe. Oh, do we do a marathon? No. Why would you do a marathon before you do an Ironman? Like people just don't get that concept. I'm like, you're not going to do an Ironman before you do an Ironman. Um, And I've gotten ridiculed for, if you, I mean, you could read a lot about, I mean, people's like, well, that's silly. Of course you you should do a marathon before you do an Ironman. No, that your body is going to be trashed. Yeah. And I've told my clients that, and they were bound to determine to do a marathon. I'm like, okay, your recovery time is going to suck, but I'll let you do it. And then after the Ironman, they're like, I so didn't need to do that marathon. I'm like, I know, that's why you pay me. <laughs> but anyways, so I think, <laughs> yeah. I think I, less, uh, less racing, yeah. more training. Yeah. Yeah. Preach. I'm glad to hear you say it. I, I'm on the same page. I mean, I quality first, right? I mean, I, and, and this is, yeah. you know, I think coming from, coming from a, an era where you did, you know, race to, to, you know, to train and, you, you know, I used to do, you know, when I first started racing, it was, yeah, just high vault every weekend. Right. And you just never had time to focus on yourself, to focus on quality. Um, and yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like let's, let's spend more time on you, individualized training, more time on recovery race. When you, when it's race, when it brings value to your training race, when it's something that Enjoy. you care about. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then stop racing. <laughs> it's like, don't do it if it's just close yeah. to you. Right. Or whatever. I mean, um, yeah, yeah I totally agree. Cause I mean, again, I, that, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, physiology and, you know, it, like you said, like, don't do the yeah. race before the race. Some of that's just science. Um, but also too, just like the mental fatigue, right? The emotional fatigue. If you're just mm-hmm. invested mm-hmm. in a race every two weeks, it just, it's just killer. It burns you out. You know, it's good to have killer. some space yeah. and then bring all that energy to a couple of things that you're real fired up about. And then, and then stop, you know, pull, pull back and, and let that energy kind of settle out. Um, yeah, yes. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I feel like, yeah, I I catch, I catch hell for that sometimes too. People are like, Oh, just more, more, more. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not it. You know, I I mean, maybe this season, but it might work once might, maybe it works twice, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. Right. It's not sustainable. It's not quality training. Yeah. Um, so you talked about core values um, again in your book, and and I'm such a believer in um, identifying uh, our core values, you know, and making sure that like personally our core values kind of bleed into the decisions we make. Like you know, are the are the things we're doing aligning mm-hmm. with our core values? And um, I was I wanted to just I'm curious how you use those core values to like, how do we, how do you, how do we use them for kind of that like internal drive or to, to fuel us, you know? Cause I 
I feel like mm-hmm. that's um, it's easy to lose sight of those. A lot of people don't have them. Don't have them. They don't know what they are. They haven't identified them, which I think in and mm-hmm. of itself is a critical exercise. But um, yeah, like what what role do core values play for you? You know, in your life, in your training, and your business. You know, I, I think there's so much there. Yeah, I'm just curious how those what those mean to you. I think uh, it, it's interesting because I heard uh, Matthew McConaughey talking about this the other day, actually, about core values and how, um, by the way, another book, Green Lights, check it out. So good uh, by Matthew McConaughey. Mm. But um, um, I think for me, it's I didn't really recognize about my values until I started my business. Um, is that when I was like, okay, how can I, what, what makes me an athlete, but what makes me a coach? And when I recognized it was the same thing, I recognized, oh, these make me as, as a human being, like it's the passion, it's the grit, it's determination, it's, um, joy, like happiness, like you know, um, I don't know if you consider that a value, but if it doesn't make me happy, I ain't doing it. That why do you think I took an eight year sabbatical from Ironmans? It was not making me happy. That's when I found cro- CrossFit, drank the Kool Aid, realized how much I love strength. But um, but you know, I didn't really realize it. That's how I lived my life: is with passion, with grit, with strength. Um, and happiness and joy. And that's how I still live to this day with it and love. I got to love it. You know, I got to love it. And everybody's like, why do you look so happy when you cross the finish line? And I'm like, how can you not be like, I just crossed the finish line to a 5k or I crossed the finish line to a 140.6 mile race. Like, that just brings me joy because if it doesn't bring me joy, then why am I doing it? Right. Does that help? Does that make sense? So huge. Yeah. I think that the joy piece, I mean, that kind of, that kind of folds into like the racing component too. Like I'm a big believer in, in, you know, if, and when we decide to race or do an event or, you know, something that's like outcome driven. Right. Like it should be because you're fired up about it. You know, it should be something that brings you joy, like, you know, to do it just because it's, you know, a friend told you to do it or, you know, whatever the scenario is. Um, I think that's, uh, that's, that should be such a, that should be the primary piece. Like, yeah, does it, you know, and then does, does, does training for it, does preparing for it bring you joy, right? When you think about what it's going to take right. to get you to that goal, like, does that get you excited? Right? And there's, there's lulls. I mean, you're not, right. you know, but, but I think that's like, that's almost your why, right? Is like, that's because it makes me happy, right? Mm-hmm. I like pursuing makes this, me this, happy. these things. I like seeing what I'm capable of. I like, yeah, um, man, that's yeah. great. And I, uh, and well, that's one, a, that's a great note another, to end on. Be, be happy and be joyful. Okay. <laughs> Be joyful. Another thing that I was going to say real quick is that the biggest thing that I do love of my values is, is the freedom. Um, 
I love being able to jump on my bike and just being me. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to show anybody. If Even if I go race, it's my race. It's nobody else's. I have the freedom to go hard and, and, and go, go fast, or I have the freedom to pull back and just do what I need to do. Like, and that's how I feel about my business. That's how I feel about life. Like having that freedom, like to just go for a run and just being free. It's like, we get to do this. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I, yeah. So, I mean, this, I think about this a lot and I've said this all over the place is that like, you know, in specific, you know, through the lens of, of training or, or being an athlete, that freedom piece, like it opens so many doors, you know, to, to when you use, you know, your athleticism as a vehicle to have experiences, mm-hmm. it becomes about so much more than just fitness, right? Like to be able to just, to have the fitness, to jump on your bike and go for a ride and truly enjoy it or go for a run or a swim or a hike or a walk, whatever you're doing. Those are experiences that people who aren't committed to that consistent dedication to movement, those, those people, they can't have those experiences, right? They, they don't feel right. comfortable enough in their bodies or their bodies aren't capable of doing those things. And um, so as athletes, like you said, like what a treat, you know, what a real blessing to be able to just jump on your bike and go for a ride and like see the world right. in that way. And, um, oh, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, if nothing else, right, like everything else aside, what a, what a, what an awesome thing to experience. Just like know that you can put on your mm-hmm. running shoes and go out your door and you have the ability to, to run and feel what that feels like and feel that, you know, your body experience that run and then all the great, you know, benefits of that exercise after the fact. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, that free, that really like, t- uh, struck a chord with me because I'm like, yes, freedom. That's what it's all about. And, and just knowing mm-hmm. that it's like, it allows you opportunities to do things that so many people wish they could do, but, but they don't have, right. you know, they, they can't, or they, you know, aren't, aren't able to or whatever. So man, I love it. That's so good. Um, right. well, thanks. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for all your insight. You're welcome. Uh, I love, I love everything you're doing. You're, uh, you're, 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 you're such Thank a you. positive light in the, in the, in the space. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I'm excited Thank to, you. uh, to keep up with you and, and keep, uh, keep being inspired. <laughs>